Hello and welcome back to Drew Karma Radio. My name is Andrew. I have the honor of co-hosting the show today and of course we're very grateful to have Daishi with us again. Now I know the answer to this question because you're always upbeat and firing on all cylinders but I'll ask you anyway. How are you Daishi? I'm doing fantastic. As always, I'm glad to talk with you. It's exciting to be here again, and I love having the time to do these shows. We get so much positive feedback, and it seems to be helping people. So I'm really excited about this particular show in general because it's one of those topics that affects everybody across the board, whether you're deeply embedded in the path or whether you're just wanting to figure yourself out a little bit. So this is going to be a good one, I think. Well, it's my job to get as much of you as possible into the next 20 minutes. So if it works for you, let's just get straight into it, shall we? Sure. Well, this week's topic is emotional energy. Now, I imagine what comes to mind for most people when they think of emotional energy is that thing that happens when your teenager shows you just how hard they can slam their bedroom door. Is that what we're talking about here? What is emotional energy exactly? So... There's two ways to look at it. I think one from a practical human standpoint, which is the way we feel, our sensations and the way that we react to perceptions of the world and ourselves, right? So our own thoughts and the way that we, you know, relate with those thoughts and the way that we see the world. So we have these things that are at its core and in more of a spiritual sense for a seeker that's more advanced energetic roots that come through the identity filter in different flavors, for lack of a better word. And as they transcend through the identity filters, you know, that stuff that makes us the I, the ego, and the cognitive awareness, and the memories, and so on, the intellect and whatnot, we agree as a human race to call different kinds of vibrations or waves different flavors of energy, like excitement, anxiety, love, hate, fear, etc. And we sort of just experience these flavors and even really today, science is still trying to figure out where these things come from. There's not a place in the body or the mind where we can say, well, that's the emotion of fear. You know, we can turn that off and you'll never have fear again. They sort of become generated somewhere in us, but not directly related to a particular functioning instrument. It's very interesting. Yeah, it certainly is. And so if I'm not mistaken, then emotional energy is kind of colored by your worldview to some degree or other. I mean, if you're generally an upbeat kind of person, then you will color that emotional energy in a very positive way and you'll have a very positive macrocosmic experience. Whereas if you're generally quite a pessimistic kind of person or a fault finder, you know, they like to call themselves troubleshooters, people who are always looking for what's wrong with something. If you're one of those people, then you're going to color that emotional energy that you're tuning into in a negative way and you're going to have a negative macrocosmic experience. Is that right? It's interesting because I think we talked about this. Two people can look at the same event and have completely different emotional reactions. So in that instance, you have two scenarios that are factually the same, you know, something that's happening in the world out there. But the reaction is completely different or polar opposite between two different individuals. And that shows us that there's a huge bias in how we feel. And the only reason that bias could exist is because this societally and culturally driven influences that we've had our entire lives that shape that illusory or transient identity that we call ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of influences, there seems to be a very strong connection between music and emotional energy, doesn't there? And with music being used quite significantly in film 
to influence the viewer's emotional experience, sometimes very subtly and sometimes very obviously. But with music being frequency and vibration, and the fact that we can be affected by it quite powerfully, it leads me to believe that emotional energy is a frequency we sort of connect to consciously or unconsciously, as opposed to it being something that's self-generated, if you know what I mean. Would I be on the right track there? Yeah, I agree with you entirely. On one hand, we seem to be influenced by it. We seem to be overtaken by it. And somehow it seems to affect us in an unconscious way. Again, for somebody who is just starting this seeking path, right, or trying to look within themselves or evolve and understand this vehicle body, it may seem like the power of emotion is so strong that it takes us out of the thing we think we are and morphs us into other things. If I'm just having a normal day and somebody on the road makes me angry or I feel like the perception of what I've seen this person do on the road suddenly takes me over, I see red and I become an angry person and I throw a tantrum and then moments later I may say, oh, that was kind of ridiculous. How did I quote unquote let that happen. And so the power of emotion can drive our lives. And that's one of the problems that we have is that we don't understand the switches. We don't understand this vehicle well enough. So we're really overtaken. You know, again, we've talked about the mental side, but emotions are a huge factor in how we play out our lives and the way that we feel and experience that happiness or that sadness. And a lot of that is impressed. There's impressions that drive that. So everything on the spiritual path in the beginning, because later it gets more advanced and we get more mystical with it. But in the beginning, it's about taking control of the buttons and switches so that the emotions and the mental mind stream, the mental aggregates and how they fluctuate in their derivations don't take us over all the time. They don't decide how we're going to live, feel, see and perceive the world. Instead, we begin to take them back. We take control of this vehicle. And in that way, we can take control of how we feel moment by moment and how we perceive moment by moment because we move away from the illusory filters and we realize that entanglement has been the problem. So that's part of the beginning foundational stages of any practical path. Now, just to not jump too far, and we can go backwards from this, but that is always the foundation of every spiritual path is to begin to move away from the entanglement of self is to move away, move backwards and see and watch the mental aggregates, the mind stream and how it performs its symphony that creates the transient identity. You know, the thing we think that's me. Those are my memories. That's my intellect. That's not really ours anything. It's just a system running and we become entangled in it. And also the reactionary emotions that follow those things. So once we back up as part of that foundation, we begin to watch and see those instruments and learn how they operate so we could utilize them in the second part of the path, which is then an active role of becoming more stream oriented or realized or awakened in a true sense. I don't mean awaken that I just understand how the government functions. That's just being a good citizen. I don't mean awaken that I'm starting to feel more empathy for other people. That's a beautiful thing, but that's just being a good human being. In the spiritual sense, or that word, again, that's beaten and overused, in a spiritual path sense, I mean to actually understand this magnificent vehicle that we're all riding in called the human physiological body and its unconscious mechanism that drives our reality. Once we get control of that, the second part of the path is learning how to use it in a way that creates not only an intense, joyful, and fun ride for me while I'm here, but hopefully for others. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that you use the word control there a couple of times. And I know you're not using the word in a negative sense, but in the personal development field, for instance, they use the term self-control quite a lot. 
which implies coercion, right? And which isn't great for the spiritual path at all. So how do we walk that fine line between trying to manage our emotional energy and not actually suppressing or controlling it? It's a fantastic point because you're absolutely right. The terms we use can seem like they have a negative connotation. There is a fine line between what we would term control and what a normal person like a self-empowerment coach would term control in most instances, and I'm not saying in all of them, but in some of them or generally. Anytime there's a war, repression, aversion, attraction, any movement that wants to either push away or pull forward, that's unconscious. And when I say control, I mean consciously. And there's a big difference. You see, there's an unbiased, impartial view when we gain this kind of control. It surpasses and moves beyond the dualistic or binary mind, which means it's either good or bad, right? The little mind, the little brain, and the way that it operates is either it's good or it's bad. I either go forward or I go backward. I either love or I hate. It's very biased-based. And it needs to be that way because while we're unconscious in it, it has to keep us alive. And it's got to make some hardcore decisions while it's functioning in this 3D world, right? But as we realistically, authentically awaken to those instruments in that process, we begin to see that there's another structure. There's another way of looking at things that far surpasses the dualistic mind or binary zeros and ones mind. And that larger mind or that all mind space doesn't exist in a limited way that it's on or off. It can be both on and off. It can be off and off, on and off, on and on. It has all sorts of derivations that are beautiful. They can do things that the lower mind can't possibly fathom. And in that, there's a new kind of, and again, a bad word, control. But it's really just we allow the bad and the good to be what we want it to be. So there may be the same circumstance. But we're going to see it and experience it in an entirely different way. And that's what makes it radical. That's what makes it unbelievably special and beautiful and radiantly clear and absolutely diamond-like sharp. And this is the reason why the authentic path involves these specific steps. And they have been carried through generation over generation for thousands of years because it's so special, because it's so amazing, because it's so radical, and because it creates within us the kind of freedom from the vehicle, from the machine, that's so blissful and amazing that you want to just scream it from the rooftops. You want everybody else to experience it as well. And that's where the compassion ties in. So, for example, and to go right back into end this thought, where you say control in the beginning as a way, maybe a coach would say it or you know, take control of yourself, you would have to be compassionate based on controlling your, like try to be compassionate. That's a coercion. Like, I don't feel compassion. I don't have an attribute of compassion, but I'm forcing myself to be compassionate. The difference is after this realized state starts to dawn, compassion just becomes. You don't try to be compassionate. You just are because you're operating from a new set of variables. Compassion is just the right view. It just becomes, you become it. So there's never a coercive moment. You're not ever trying to control or fight or war anything. You're just becoming more pure in the way that you experience. And compassion is one of those pure attributes in the higher, bigger mind that doesn't necessarily exist in a biased, dualistic or binary mind. Yeah, wonderful stuff. And you know, another word that has a negative connotation is temper, which is related to a degree of strength, right? And we often say he or she has quite a temper, meaning they're prone to getting quite angry. But to me, my temper is the strength of my will to resist being overcome by or carried away by a strong wave of emotional energy, you know? So losing your temper 
would be a sign that your will needs to be given some attention. But having quite a temper should be a good thing, right? <laughs> so you should be increasing your temper so as not to be overcome by or carried away by emotional energy. Did I just make no sense at all? <laughs> Semantics, I know, but words mean stuff, right? But it's a perfect, you made a perfect point because if you look, well, there's two good points there. One, the way we use words, you know, and the way we understand words vary so greatly from person to person that we have to be very careful and we have to really have empathy to understand where the person's coming from who speaks those words, right? Because they may not mean them the way I think my definitions might not be their definitions. So another reason why we want to get away from the entanglement of self is because self will dominate us with our own definitions. And then we'll use that temper <laughs> in order to defend our definition, which isn't a good way to communicate at all. In fact, it's an ignorant way to communicate. So once we get out of the entanglements, I can allow you to say temper and allow you to express temper the way you know it to be, the way you define it. And I can accept your definition and then relate with you and communicate with you in a much better way. So getting away from that entanglement is important. But back to your more specific point, your temper in that case is a sign of energy that you're now utilizing. Again, you know, we use the word control, but you're utilizing that energy in a way that helps you overcome the entanglements to mind. So that's a positive use. So your use of temper is positive where other people would say he's got a huge temper, right? So for you, you'd say, oh, that's fantastic. That means that he could utilize that temper in order to overcome the signs of anger, frustration, anxiety, stress, and these disorders. Whereas somebody else would say, no, no, that just means he loses control and he breaks things. No, no, completely different uses of the energy itself. So again, emotion is just a rising of energy filtered through the societal and culturally influenced identity and then sprayed out through this filter or flavor of emotion, right? Once we can catch that prior to that filter process, again, by backing up, then we can begin to utilize the energy itself, not the emotion, but the energy itself before it transmutes into that possibly negative emotional karmic kind of entanglement for positive or for our own growth or for our own advancement, etc. And this is exactly what we do when we have the teachings week by week. We show all of these things, how to do these things one step at a time, how to go from the beginning basics of understanding just the mind stream and the way that you operate, and then how to slowly walk out backwards, sort of leave the room by stepping back, seeing everything and saying, okay, wow, there's my mind, there's all the parts of my mind, there's the thing I call self, and it's not one thing, it's actually a symphony of things that seems to be one thing, but it's always changing and evolving. There's the static cognition or awareness that just watches everything, and there's the filters that make the flavors of the emotions, oh my Lord, and this is how all these things come together, and they generate how I live. And wow, I have no control over all these things. So as we're walking back and watching this, we began to slowly take back control of how that raw energy starts to move and operate, how we utilize it prior to getting to aggregates, prior to getting to the flavors and filters of emotions. Then we have control in the way that we can figure out and use, based on our positive, pure intention, that energy for all kinds of things. And again, I would say for good, but that's not really right. It's not for good. It's just for productivity, which means this the general happiness and the destructiveness of ignorance, the way that we want to rid ourselves and others of an ignorant view of ignorance itself. So 
we need to get control of that energy. We need to understand that energy. We need to utilize that energy the way that every human being should so that we can then constructively use it to help ourselves and potentially help other people as well. Excellently stated as usual, Dashi. Thank you. And as I feared, you've succinctly blown through all of the questions I have here in those two or three beats. And besides, we're kind of coming to the end of the time anyway. But do you want to add anything else before we do some housekeeping and close up? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I would say essentially emotions are responsible for many physiological ailments. I think that's really important to understand. Emotions are really killing people that we love. They're killing people all over the earth, right? They're causing cancers and they're causing ailments and they're more responsible than I think we give them credit for in terms of destroying our lives, not just in the way we feel moment by moment, which is terrible because we should feel more connected, more open, more honest, more loving, more compassionate, more impartial, more joyful, etc., but also over time, these emotions, they may be really subtle, but they do kill and eat up and destroy our physiological bodies as well. And, you know, we're already inundated by a world filled with societal influences, right? We're being influenced constantly. And those influences are affecting the way that we operate, the way that we filter our aggregates operate and so on. I mean, the way that we see everything. So it's important that we begin to figure out this vehicle, figure out our emotional resonance, our vibration, figure out how to utilize it the best way possible. And again, if you're not coming to us for help with that, please find somebody that's authentically understood that process and has gone through it themselves and has transformed themselves and have them help you figure it out because it's a treacherous path. When you're inside of it, when you're entangled in it, it's very hard to find your way out of that maze without a guide. So if you know somebody that's been through it authentically, go there. Otherwise, come to us or anybody else willing to help. And you will see that what may be a roller coaster life, you know, highs and lows, I accomplish things, but then there's these letdowns or I'm just not satisfied and I'm not finding answers and I'm really not having any changes in the way that I am year after year, except for the flavor of ice cream I like and the music I like or the guy that I date or the girl that I date, etc. It's not happening. So go somewhere radical. Find somebody who can actually help you understand how this vehicle operates and then begin to teach you how to take back control of it so that you can make it operate as efficiently as possible. And life becomes a fun roller coaster instead of <laughs> a crazy, terrible roller coaster. But in the end, that's the cure for humanity's ailments is to stop thinking there's an antidote out there for the ailments that we feel in here in the body it's not out there if it was the richest would be perfectly healthy happy smiling and joyful every day and they're not they're still committing suicide they're still depressed even the most famous people in the world still searching seeking so it's not out there it's in here somewhere the problem is without help the chance of falling back into it are pretty slim so get help and i think that's paramount for anybody who's finding that their life isn't as satisfying as they think it should be well, as far as I'm concerned, the best place to go for that help is drukama.com. That's D-R-U-K-A-M-A.com. And I know firsthand how much of your time is selflessly given to people all over the world. And I'd kick myself if I didn't take this opportunity to say just how grateful we all are to you and for you. So thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a wonderful conversation as usual. My pleasure. And I love you. Thank you for helping out with this podcast. I hope to have you back real soon. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, if you have any questions or comments about the show, please send us an email to radio at drukama.com. That's D-R-U-K-A-M-A dot com. 
In the meantime, thank you all for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next time. Mm-hmm.